every Christian can experience and enjoy the God of Peace's presence daily by exercising this powerful biblical truth daily. You're listening to Wonder Lake Bible Church, building mature followers of Jesus Christ. Find us online at wlbiblechurch.org. Now, here's today's message. So grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So the peace of Christ to you. Could you just turn to someone and say the peace of Christ to you. The peace of Christ to you. Or the peace of Christ to you. And then could you do this to encourage my heart this morning? Could you shout out, Chuck, the peace of Christ to you. Well, once again, that was kind of a Protestant low-life thing there. How about a shout, the peace of Christ to you. Well, that's better. You know, peace is just uh, that Greek word in the text we're going to look at, Irene's. We get our name Irene from. It's a, it's a great word. So we're talking about peace and thinking and all of that. Think, 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 and think and think. Aretha, Frank, Aretha Franklin said, you better think. Remember that song for those uh, 60s people? What you're trying to do to me? Come on and think, think, think. Come on, y'all. There you go. Woo! She's rocking it. She's from Motown. So it's a, it's a great song. Uh, my dad, pastor for years, we were talking this morning about my dad and church and all of that. And Matt said, are you doing fire and brimstone? I said, no, no, no fire and brimstone today. I mean, when you're loud, it doesn't mean it's fire and brimstone, but it's no, no fire and brimstone. But my dad was a pastor. I grew up in a church where there was a lot of fire and brimstone, which scared me to death. I think I got saved every Sunday because of that, you know? And I think you're only saved once, but I got saved a bunch of times. But God saved me. But I remember my dad. My dad took me off to Moody Church. He went to Moody, and I was a kid, and took our kids, and we went to... I think it was Torrey Auditorium. Could have been in the big place, the big house, Moody Church, and we were sitting in the balcony. Somebody was preaching. Somebody, I don't know. I was a kid. I didn't care. I just wanted him to shut up. Like, get it done, right? And just get through with it. But we are in the balcony. We were up into the air. And I looked down, and I was chewing some gum, which I'm amazed at now that my dad let me even chew gum. In the house of God. You know, and I looked down and I saw this bald-headed dude sitting down below me. And I was like, oh, man, Bombay doors open. And I rolled that thing up just like that. And and then I aimed. My dad was intense on whoever was preaching, you know, and taking notes. And I looked down and said, Bombay doors open. My brother looked at me like, oh, what are you doing? And... Maybe you better think about this. And I'm like, I've thought about it. Let's have some fun. So I just let that baby drop and got him right in the head. Right in the top of the head. It was awesome. Because then he put his hand up there and he pulled. And when he pulled, the gun went, wrong, wrong, wrong. And I went, oh, man. Then my, the guy looked up and made some kind of noise. And my dad looked down and saw it. He looked at me and he said, what were you thinking? In the middle of the whole thing, you know. And I said, I was thinking I was going to hit him with the gum on top of his head. Have some fun. He said, what were you thinking? You got to think. You better think. Think about what you're trying to do to me. Right? 
So we're talking about think. Can you say think? Now look at somebody and say, you need to think better. Go ahead, look at somebody, tell them. Look at somebody and tell them. You need to think better. I don't know what I'd be... Come on, what about this? What about this? Look at somebody and say, somebody said to me, you're going to move this morning? I'm like, I can move. Um, you need to think uh, accurately. Tell somebody that. You need to think accurately. Tell them. Yeah, whatever that means, right? And they'll look at somebody and say, now, now I'm looking at you guys and I'm going, you're not looking at anybody. You're mumbling words back. Don't be intimidated by the people behind you or around you. Talk to them. This is the family of God. We can encourage one another to think. Yeah, think, think, think. So what about this? Think, uh, think rightly. Look at them and say, think rightly. Yeah, now look at them and say, think with integrity. Think correctly. See all the different ways you can think? You better think. Think about what you're trying to do to me. Come on and think. Yeah. Now what about this one? We need, we need to think biblically. How about it? We need to think. Oh, come on, liturgical congregation. My goodness. I'll do this. We need to think. I like it. What about this side over here? We need to think. We need to think. Remember, I just did seven and a half weeks of summer camp, so I'm still wired. Uh, I, you know, you get me to a couple different churches, and I'll mellow out, and I'll put my preaching voice on, and today we're going to look at the Word of God. So you guys can do this. Right? We don't want to do that. I saw a lot of little guys go to... When I was a kid, I saw a lot of little guys go to sleep. During the, I mean, the elder deacon boys, they go to sleep. I saw some, like, fall off their chairs, you know, and, and then it was not good. So we need to think. So you got your Bibles. Let's think about what the Word of God says. They'll open it to Philippians chapter 4. The great apostle, Philippians chapter 4. Some of you will read this. We're going to talk about a most profitable exercise We'll work through this best we can. Somebody said to me, are you going to give us another good one? I'm like, I don't know. That's up to God. I'll do the best I can, but it's up to God to help us think. I mean, if it was left to me, I'd be dropping gum on everybody's forehead and doing all kinds of crazy things. So So Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes to the church at Philippi. He loves these people. And verse 1, he says this, Therefore, my brothers... Whom I love and I long for. I love them and I long for them. Can you say that about everybody here? Man, I love them and I long for them. And longing means I want to be with them all the time. I love them, I long for them. My dear, my joy and my crown. He says, stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syntyche and to agree in the Lord. Come on, you guys, get along. Yes, I ask you also, true companion... Help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. I long for them. I love them. They're my brothers. They're the beloved. The family of God is incredible. Just we need to get some thinking going once in a while. Biblically. So then he goes on and says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. The psalmist says we ought to boogie, we ought to dance. I mean, he does, Psalm 48, 49, 50. We ought to boogie, we ought to dance, we ought to blow trumpets, we ought to beat drums, we ought to play instruments, 
We ought to rejoice with a loud voice and a loud cymbal and a loud tambourine. Rejoice! Rejoice! Not bad. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. That's what uh, our brother Ralph's going to be teaching on, the reasonableness of the gospel. It says this, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about nothing. That's hard to do. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, Paul says, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. Isn't she lovely? I got Motown on the brain today, man. Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think, 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 logizomai, think on these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and here's a flip now, the God of peace, Jehovah, Irenes, right? The God of peace, his presence will be with you. He flips it. Going to guard, as Sproul says, that's great promise. But the God of peace, his presence with you, that's a better deal. That's a better deal. So it's kind of where we're landing. Maybe sometime I'll come back and work on practice these things. Because I'm working on practicing these things, so... I'm having a hard enough, hard enough time thinking. So we need to ask God to help us. We could put up the big idea up there, and we're going to... I don't know if you can read that or not. Oh, there you go. Can you read that? Let's all read it together in, in unison. Best that we can, brothers and sisters together in the Lord, right? Every Christian can experience and enjoy the God of peace's presence daily by exercising this powerful biblical truth Daily. Exercise daily. All the time. Do this. Well, what's the truth? Here it is. Think on these things. Say it. Think on these things. So we're going to get to those things, but just a little reminder here. He loves these people. He knows they struggle with anxiety. They struggle with fear. They struggle with discouragement. They struggle with depression. The world's bombarding them. They live in the ancient Roman world that wants to just persecute Christians. Paul's already been in prison there in Philippi. He knows them, he loves them, and he wants God's best for them, God's presence. So he says, you got to think right. you got to think accurately. you got to think with integrity. You've got to think Biblically, which is hard to do in a world that is anti-God and anti-biblical. I mean, America's post-Christian. We're not post-modern. We are post-Christian. And even in our churches today, there is not a whole lot of thinking on the biblical things. There's a lot of entertainment. And you're going, well, you entertained us this morning a little bit. I, I understand that. I get that, but... It's all about attraction. It's all about the wow. The gospel's being watered down. We're not thinking on the life of Christ, the law keeper, 
or the Lamb of God, the cross in the line of Judah, which we sing about, we don't think about that enough. And so Paul says, so he, number one, he says, you need to think, and he is an exercise that's commanded, think, which is really hard to do. The Greek word again, logizomai, means this, to take, take, and make these things in the text subjects of your thoughts. This is the Greek now, constantly for careful reflection. Why? Put them in your brain constantly. This list we're going to get to. These exercise components, which are the reps. They're the sit-ups. They're the push-ups. They're the bench press. They're the jogging. They're the walking. They're the treadmill. And Paul says out of deep love. He's a loving apostle. He struggles. I got to believe there were times when he was crossing the Mediterranean. He sat in the, in the ship, in the hole of the ship, and he thought about his past life before grace exploded and he said what was I thinking he butchered Christians he went to their homes and dragged them out tormented them he was against Christ I'm sure now he said what was I thinking and then the big word Grace popped into his head. Charis, the favor of God, transformed his life from a Christian killer to a promoter of the gospel. And now he's in love with the brethren and he's in love with Christ and he wants these people to, to be able to make it through this world and honor the king and celebrate his goodness. And so he says, you got to think right. I, I command you. Here's an exercise you got to do legizomai. you got to take these things, make these things, take these things, make these things constant in your thoughts. Now, how hard is that? Last week, we talked about the hamster heads. We got them. Somebody came up to me and said, I mean, it was like confession after the service. People are coming up, I'm a hamster head. I'm like, well, that's fine. Keep your hamster yourself. i got my own hamster head, Right? I mean, a hamster head, carousel head, whether it's spinning. I, you know, you were thinking last night, Lynn and I both had a hard time sleeping for some reason. And I'm sure a part of it was we're thinking all kinds of thoughts. And the mind doesn't rest. There's all kinds of advertisements on television. Take this pill. Take that pill. Take that. Take that vitamin. Take this. Take that. Listen to this music. Get a waterfall. Get a pet. Get an emotional pet. Get a cat. No. I'd rather have 25 hamsters. He says this about exercising this command. He says, it is meditative. Oh, my. Meditative. Get a lava lamp. No. Meditative analysis of these words to have memory reflex. You get it? How hard is it? We're thinking jobs, money, illnesses, homes, pets, bees, this, that, the other thing, this or that, the other thing. And Paul says, You want you want the God of peace's presence? You got to do this. You got to think. Think about this. You're going, man, you're really preaching at us. I'm preaching at myself, dadgummit. 
You ask my wife, she'll tell you. I got hamster head, I got carousel head, I got tilt-a-whirl head, which is really a problem. That'll make you throw up. I mean, you just it's really hard. And so he says you need to do this. Here, listen to this. He says, finally, in love, you need to incorporate these godly virtues, which we're going to get to here, incorporate these godly virtues in your mind and eliminate the ungodly. Now, I'm not going to say virtues because they're not virtues. So I'll give it to you again. So we need to incorporate, get them in there, these godly virtues in your mind and eliminate the ungodly. That means I'll give you one simple little thought here about this, how you incorporate that. You got to start memorizing again and again and again and again. Well, in fact, this would be a great text to memorize. So when you're struggling, you go, I need to think about the lovely things. When you're struggling, I need to think about the, the true things, the lovely things, the honorable. I need to think about these things. I need to think this way. Because our minds are just, they are like a, they can be a cesspool. They can be a sewage pit. They can be tormented. They can be full of agony. They can be full of confusion and chaos. Am I tapping your brain at all today? Tapping mine. And he says, I love you, I love you, I love you, and I love you. And I want you to think, I love you too, bud. So we said this, this thinking process, this command, exercise commanded, you know, it's, it, takes tra- it takes time, number one. It takes time to do this. Memorize, you know, memorize the Bible, right? It takes training, and it takes, I love this word, tenacity, which means you don't quit. I mean, I'm, I, you know, here's the deal. Here's the, here's the deal. I mean, I know there are things we can take. We can take medicine. Sometimes we need that. We can take counseling. Sometimes we need that. I get that. We can take, uh, you know, all kinds of things to help us get our mind to calm down. But Paul never suggests any of that. And I'm sure there were ancient remedies, but the most divine, ancient, perfect remedy is to exercise this command and to think on these things daily, daily, daily. Because it is health food. It is health food for your whole being. These are words of virtue, words of love, and words of life. We were rafting. Lynn and I were speaking at a youth conference years ago. And out in Colorado, we had gone to, I think it was Noah's Ark, they called it, and rafting trip going down the, I don't know, it was the Colorado River, one of the rivers out there. And it was about, I don't know, a bunch of kids, high school kids, and the rafting was like, the rapids were like, somebody said, they can go up to four. If you ever been on the river rafting, you get a four rapid, you're in trouble. I mean, you know, the next ones are five, six, that goes, goes to the Olympics. So I'm like, oh, man, this could be interesting. So the guide, the guide, the guide who's in charge gets his little raft people together, 10 or 12 of us, sits us down all inside before we take off, and he goes, I want you to think about some words. Boom! We're like, what? 
Because we're looking at the river going, whoa, chaos, confusion, calamity, crisis, death. (laughs) Death by water, death by rock. We're like, what do we think? What were the words? He said two words, high side and bail. I want you to say it after me, he said. So we all went, high side and bail. He said, no, that's not good enough. Say high side and bail. Do you know what that means? He was asking us. We're like, no. Well, sometimes when a raft is going down the river and it heads into a rock, a big boulder, it'll go up on the rock and the natural reflex is to do what? Run the other way. Get out of there. Don't go up with the raft. Get out of there. That's the high side. He said, when I shout high side, you run to the high side of the raft if you want to live and not go out of this thing. You think on these things. You think on these words. I mean, those were words of love and those were words of life. And then he said, when I say bail, you got little buckets in there, start bailing. We're like, what does that mean? He goes, come on, you're not that stupid. You go down there and you start pitching the water out so we don't sink. If we high side and sink at the same time, we're in trouble. And you're like, why do people do this? What's wrong with their thinking? I mean, what's wrong with us? But it's like, oh, it's fun. Let's go. Let's go do this. And so we, we took off. And this one poor girl was up in front, this one woman, and she never stopped saying this. What are those words? High side. What's that word? Bail. Think on those words. Think on those words. She kept going, high side, bail, high side, bail, high side. I don't think she ever enjoyed the trip. And we never high sided had to. We never had to bail. But she knew those words. Those were words of love and those were words of life. This list Paul gives us, it's a tough list. Somebody said this way of filling the mind is a radical challenge to us, especially at hard times. It's radical. It's radical. I mean, to think about true things all the time. Think about honorable things all the time. Think about whatever is just all the time. Whatever is pure all the time. Whatever is lovely all the time. Whatever is commendable all the time. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things all the time. All the time. That's a radical challenge. But it produces radical results. And the radical results is that God of peace's presence will be with you. And that is one of the deepest, powerful mysteries of the Bible. How many of you want to be able to say, Jesus, thanks for sitting here with me today? I mean, I'm not saying visualize. Jesus, thank you for being in this room today. Thank you for sitting with me. Thank you that I can lift out my hand and I can embrace your powerful hand, the God of peace's presence. It's different than guarding your mind. It's a mystery. It's never really expounded on. That word peace, Irene, is in the Greek again. We get our Hebrew word, right, shalom. We get our Hebrew word, uh, shekinah, from that peace thing, which means means, uh, the glory, the glory, the presence of God's glory goes with us. It's there. 
And so he says, you need to do this. So he gives us this list. I just want to walk through them. I'm going to give you some definition quickly, and then we're going to give you the culmination of this exercise. Like, what's the profit? What do you get out of this? We've already kind of said it, so you're saying, we could just finish it up, and let's sing, and let's worship, and we could do that. We'll just give you a little more detail, but... Paul gives us this list, divine exalted things. They are mind reps of holiness. They are the spiritual abs of our brain, the sit-ups of our brain. And it's easy to talk about all of this. It's a whole nother issue to think again on what's true all the time. I mean, that means you can't watch TV. That means you can't listen to your phone. You can't be on the internet. And you know what? I'm not going to go off and preach all against the internet and social media because there are good things and there are bad things and there are mediocre things. But let's face it. Overall, once you get in there and start scrolling and looking, it is a battle to keep the lovely things, the true things, Focus, front and center. You drive down the highway and you see billboards. Cannabis. Let's smoke up, toke up, joke up. I mean, years ago, you went to jail for that. Now we're selling it in America, right? It's crazy. And some are saying, well, I rub it on my feet. It makes my feet go to sleep. Well, all right, okay. Rub it on your feet. I don't care. I mean, rub it. If I could rub it on my head and get hair, I'd rub it on my head. But I'm afraid I'd start growing marijuana plants out of my head. Then I got real trouble. So here we go. So number one, let's just kind of look, look through. To give you some definition, true. The Greek word is alethi, which means that which is valid. That which is reliable, that which is honest, it is the opposite of false. Now you're going, I know some of this stuff. I know. But to know and not to do is not to know. Goes on and says this, Linsky says this, all that is spiritually true. So therefore, the music industry, and I'm some of you are going to go, Man, Chuck's become a legalist. I mean, no music, no TV, no social. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we, we, we've got to guard our hearts and minds. We've got to do the exercise because we're being bombarded. Our flesh bombards us. You're a failure. You're a loser. You're no good. You're fat. You're skinny. You're ugly. You're gross. You're disgusting. When God says, you are my chosen, beloved, and brethren, redeemed. Redeemed, and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're not going to get that from Fox. You're not going to get it from CNN. You're not going to get it from all kinds of media. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get it from the radio. Moody, maybe, right? Yeah. Some Caleb stuff, yeah. But man, we need to fill our brains with spiritually true, which means yeah, you're, you're going you're gonna, to go, well, man, you could have said this a long time ago. It's like, get back to the word of God. Get it in your stinky. Get it in your brains. Honorable. It is semnos in the Greek, which is the qualities worthy of respect. Divinely worthy of worship. Think on these things. Think on what's divinely worthy of worship. Well, think about that. What's what's divinely worthy of worship? Well, creation. Did God not create creation? I mean, I'm not a pantheist, but can we not worship our God because of his creation? I think that's good. 
Can I not look at my wife and she look at me and she goes, what a hunk of man. And I can go, what a babe. And, and we can give God thanks and worship our God because of one another. Can we do that? But we give our divine worship to God. Whatever is honorable, qualities worthy of respect. I'm really tired of people beating the crud out of the United States of America. Can we not give thanks to our God that he formed this nation years ago? Can we not give thanks and say, hey, God, we're just so grateful. You're, you're worthy of all of our praise and honor and respect because of what you've done. America's not perfect. We have our sins. We know that. But the gospel was brought here, and we need to continue to preach and teach the gospel, the true gospel. You and Delhi on the story of redemption from the true book, from Genesis to Revelation. Whatever's just, the kaye in the Greek. Whatever is conformed to God's standards. Think on these things. Whatever's conformed to God's standards. See, you kind of go, okay, is that conformed to God's standards? I'm watching this. Is that conformed to God's standards? I'm listening to this. Is that conforming to God's standards? I'm talking about this. Or they're talking about that. Is this conforming to God's standards? You see, you see his train of thought? There's a purity, there's a wholeness, there's a divineness that drives us to worship. He goes on and says, whatever is pure, the Greek word is hagna, we get hagios. God said, be holy in 1 Peter because I'm holy. I've set you apart for holiness because I'm a holy God. The word pure there is hagna, moral purity, a sense of being chaste. No sexual thoughts. Nothing unclean to run through our brains. That's tough. When you're driving down the road and your grandson, when he's five or six years old, looks up on the way to Elgin and he sees a big billboard up there that says, Welcome to the Gentleman's Club in Elgin. And he goes, Papa, what's that? I said, You know, uh, it's a club. But what does it do to my thoughts? Where does my head go? Come on, we are bombarded to be pure in this world. I mean, high school students, you go to school, and I mean, I mean, listen, when we went to high school, girls started wearing mini skirts. Now they're almost wearing no skirts. Girls were wearing, you know, for a while they were wearing see-through tops, and then they made them stop that. Now they're getting to the point they're wearing no tops in places of employment. I mean, our brains, not that we're like, oh, man, we don't battle all of this because our flesh is gross and ugly and craves all of this. Paul says you've got you've to take time and you've got to train and you've got to be tenacious to keep those hag now, those pure Thoughts of moral, moral, you know, godliness in your brain. Doesn't your flesh ever go into a rage and screams out at you like Bilbo Baggins in Lord of the Rings? I want that ring. Our flesh says, I want that flesh. The gambling, the immorality. I mean, really, all of us need to scrutinize our minds, what we think about, and train ourselves for this. 
He says, think about what is lovely. Plus phile in the Greek. It's only used here in the New Testament. What is amiable and affable? What is full of good nature? Just think about if we all thought about that about one another. I mean, those words that will come out of our mouths. See, then if you think these things, we might practice these things. It's kind of like Paul's flow of thinking here. You think and then you practice. If you don't think right, you don't act right. Muddled thinking, Elizabeth Elliot said, muddled thinking leads to muddled living. So Paul begins with, you got to think right. You got to think, think, think. Logismai. You got you to take time and train. You got to be tenacious and you got to go over this list. Think about lovely things. And then whatever is commendable, commendable, euphema. Only here, it's only used here, commendable, excellent. It's only used here in the New Testament. What rings true to the highest standard of God's word. It's a powerful list. You should memorize it. I'm working on it. I've been trying to develop this in my brain for years and years and years. A few years ago, I was speaking at Machindo Conference Center, a large conference center in Michigan, and the room had lots of students, lots of high school students, and I decided to do something to take a big risk. I wanted to prove to them how hard it is to think biblically, think right, think accurately, think with integrity. So Psalm 119 is 176 verses. I decided to tell no stories, no fun, no humor, just the old word of God. But I did this. I told the guy, the sound guys, I said, I want you to put up on the screen, I want you to put up there all kinds of surfing videos, mountain biking videos, snow skiing videos, snowboarding videos. I want you to just, it was a huge room, huge screen. I want you to throw it up there. I'm going to have all the counselors come up and read a portion of Psalm 119 over the PA system, but I'm going to have a band. I'm going to have the bass player and the drummer give me a funky beat. So they, you know, give me a funky beat. Give me a Motown thing. Give me a groove. And then we got the videos, and then we got the Word of God being read. You better think. Time and training and tenacity. So we did it. We got through and I prayed and I said, before you guys go, I want to ask you, how many of you were distracted? What do you think I saw? How many of you had a hard time listening to the word of God? How many of you were watching the screen instead of listening to the voices? How many of you were rocking and got into the groove or the bass and the drums? How many of you? You see, I wanted to show them that's the world we live in. Distraction, 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 distraction. And to think biblically, to train ourselves with these great truths is really hard. And yet Paul says, out of love is your pastor I want this for you. I don't want anxiety to eat you alive. I don't want depression or discouragement or the world to destroy you. I want you to celebrate the joy of Christ in your lives. So I want you to do this. So what's the culmination, the exercise culmination? The word culmination means the highest or climatic point of something, especially obtained after long, hard work. Something comes to culmination. You've worked really hard. Now you get some benefits. We know in the text 
it says this, and the God of peace, the God of Irene's, will be with you. It is a mystical divine promise. I mean, come on. My goodness, God says, I love you. I'm going to tell you how to enjoy my presence in your life. Think on these things. It is a profitable exercise. And it's hard work. And we're bombarded. But oh, Jesus says, I long to sit with you. Embrace you. Whisper truths in your ears that will comfort you. And so it takes hard work. Another author says this is the true antidote to anxiety. The God of peace, his presence will be with you, but it is. Do you know in all the commentaries when I study, all the commentaries I've read on this, nobody can explain it. What does that mean, the God of peace, his presence? What what does that mean? I guard your heart, his presence. What does that mean? I mean, the best scholars, nobody can explain that except what it says. There is nothing like sensing the God of peace, his presence in your life. Fennel, one of my old dead friends, <laughs> which is alive, he's alive with Christ, he says this, true and absolute, he says this, the God of peace, his presence calms the soul and gives it quiet repose. A.W. Tozer says, true and absolute freedom is only found in the presence of God. Martel says, God's presence is the finest of all rewards. It's the culmination of all rewards. I mean, how many times have you said, I want to sense his presence? I want to know his presence. Moses said, God, I cannot go unless your presence goes with me. Mary and Martha said, if you'd have been here, Lord. But when he came, was there a difference? It was his presence. He wants to come sit in your homes. The God of peace is presence to, to, to sit by your bedside. He wants to be there in the middle of the night. And you're saying, well, theologically he is. Doctrinally he's there. But there is a deep mystery here. It's this mysterious presence. The very fact that we have access to God's attention and presence should elevate the thoughts and conscience on thinking on these things constantly. Never stopping. John Calvin says he had spoken of the peace of God Paul did. He now more particularly confirms what he had said by promising that God himself will be with him. For the presence of God brings us every kind of blessing. It was as if they would feel God's presence with them to make all things turn out well and prosperous provided that they logizomai. Think on these things. Another author says, true contentment not only comes from a sense of peace, but it comes when the personal presence of the very source of peace himself comes near to be with you. It's not peace is a feeling, but the presence of the peace giver with you. As a little boy, I had, I don't know why, my mother never told me, but I had all my baby teeth pulled. And that was a time when they, they didn't, they, there was, it was horrible. I, I mean, I seem to remember the dentist chair and it 
the dentist was pumping this thing, you know, like with his feet to make the thing go and the drills and all that stuff. It was just, I mean, if you're going, would you live in the 1800s? I felt like it looking back. My goodness. I think they put me to sleep with something. I think so. But I woke up and I was like uh, the abominable guy in Rudolph. I mean, all my teeth were gone. And I mean, I just started screaming. I want my teeth back. I want my teeth back. I want my teeth back. They're like, they're gone. You can't get them back. I want my teeth back. My mom said, well, what, what is going to make you calm down? I want my teeth back. And then I thought of something else, which looking back is kind of funny. I said, I want my, I want my father. I want my daddy. And so my mom, I don't know, she called my dad at work. And when we came out the door, he was waiting for me. He was there for me. And he picked me up. And I said, he he took my teeth, Dad. And he said, it'll be okay, his presence. You get it? Another story quickly to end this. So you know what you're going to do, right? It's the most profitable exercise. You're going to you're going to do this. You're going to do it daily. And you've got to memorize this. It's a command. And it just takes work and all of that. There's components listed. And then there's a culmination. There's a great profit to you. Three clear thoughts. But when our son Jonathan, who's on his way home from Auburn now, because they just dropped our grandson off at Auburn, he's playing basketball there, which is boom, very cool. And there are going to be a lot of tears on the way north, 1,000 miles of crying. But he was a little, maybe you know, five, six, seven years old, somewhere there. We were living in Rosemont in an apartment, and we were new Christians, and I found out there was a haunted house. Exactly. Oh, there's a haunted house, downtown Des Plaines. You could go there and get scared. So I said, hey, buddy, you want to go get scared at a haunted house? He said, Yeah. So we went down there, and you know, we, we, we were the only ones there. For the, we were the first people there. We got in, and it was dark and black, and we started walking through, and then the strobe lights and the flashing, and then Frankenstein came out, and Dracula came out, and, you know, I mean, you know, all these creatures, I mean, the, the blob and the glob and the, the creature from the blob, I mean, they all started coming out, the werewolf, you know, and the lights are flashing and they're coming like this, ah, ah. what do you think my little boy did? Oh man, he screamed and he said this, lights, lights, I want to see, I'm like, I'm right here, I'm right here, no, I want to see you, I want to see your face. Turn the lights on. So they must have heard it, and they turned the lights on, and the creatures all stopped. And he just looked at me. Tears stopped. The screaming stopped. He said, I just wanted to see, Daddy, that you were here. I could feel you, but I wanted to see you. In the midst of the monsters which are in this world. We just don't need feel. Here, through the word of God, we need to see. Sense his presence. Now may the God of peace, 
who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight, through the great peacemaker, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your love. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are our God, Father, Son, and Spirit. One God, three persons. Thank you that when the monsters of this world assault us through media, through our own flesh, through all kinds of different avenues, through different means, thank you that if we work on this exercise, if we work on thinking on these things, Paul knows because he had been there and he's working on it. And he says, I love you, Philippians. I love you, people. Work on this. I command you, it's an exercise. Get these components right. It's a great culmination, a great prophet. The God of peace is present. Father, thank you for this fellowship. Thank you for Pastor Dan. Thank you for the leadership. And may we worship you now, celebrating you are our peacemaker. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information about Wonder Lake Bible Church, visit wlbiblechurch.org.